0: Really excited what the Lord's doing in this church through you guys. Um, Excited for this morning's message. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 19. We will finish out Matthew 19 this morning. And um, if you're taking notes, just want a title. I want you to be overwhelmed with the amazing grace of the gospel. That the gospel is so good, and it's not just um, a one shot, like you pray the gospel and you're done The gospel is something that we, we continue to, to need the, the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus What that means for us How he's constantly changing us and, and with that I want you to see this morning I think this is what Jesus would want us to get Is that salvation is a free gift of God's mercy Not of man's merit That salvation is a free gift um, It's something he gifts to us um, because he's merciful, um, and it's not of your own merit. It's not something you've earned today. None of you woke up and, and uh, deserved to be saved. Uh, scripture teaches that we deserve the wrath of God, but it's grace, it's merciful that he's given us salvation. Um, and, and so, um, Matthew 19 has this just this beautiful passage. I want you to see two things from it this morning. Uh, first, I want you to see that Jesus receives the humble. Um, and, uh, and secondly, you're going to see that Jesus rejects the proud. Okay, so that's kind of the outline where I'm headed. So let's look at uh, number one this morning, that Jesus receives um, the humble, verses 13 through 15. Um, Heavenly Father, I just, just want to stop and, and just pray that you would speak through this time this morning, that, my goodness, that you would just be so gracious just to speak through... Um, me and my imperfections. Um, that I would be able to feed your sheep this morning. That they would leave here just so encouraged. But by, by uh, this beautiful truth. That, um, that salvation is a free gift from your mercy. Um, it's not by anything that we are going to achieve today. But it's because you've been so kind to us. So may we be overwhelmed by your um, amazing grace. Give us ears to hear from you Lord. pray this in Christ's name, amen. So Jesus receives the humble. I love this. Verses 13 through 15. um, Jesus begins to talk about children. We see this little passage about children. uh, Back in chapter um, uh, 16, and and again in chapter 18, we see Jesus beginning to mention children. um, And and in, in, in 18... Uh, we see something very similar to to this in chapter 19. And so 13 through 15 says this, then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and went away. I, I love this. I love like the disciples were just confused. They 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 didn't think that maybe like Jesus wanted to be bothered at this time by children. And Jesus is like, No, no, this is who I this is who I want to spend my time with. I, I love this. And so Jesus here he, he's receiving the humble. And that's going back in the chapter 18, that, that the children were like the least of these, and he was receiving them. And here again he's receiving the little children. He says, Do not hinder them. Back in eighteen is when he said, you know, if you hinder a child, and then he was talking about spiritual children that it'd be better to tie a millstone around your neck and throw you into the lake. And here he's talking about literal children. Um, Don't hinder them from coming to me. Let let the children come. And I think this is where we just need, as a church, to to be mindful of children. We need to make much of children. This this is our future. And so I think we need to put a lot of energy and effort into our children's ministry. Children are an important part of this church. Um, In Psalm... Uh, One twenty-seven um, says this, it says, uh, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb of a, a reward, like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. I love that picture. That children, and, and Olivia and I, we have six children, that, and, and we homeschool, and we don't homeschool because we're afraid of the world, that it's such a bad place, we believe that we shouldn't parent on the defense. You know, let's, let's hold them all here and protect them from, you know, the evil world. We're, we're homeschooling out of offense. We want to prepare and equip them to send them out as arrows into the world. And so, um, man, children are amazing. They're amazing gifts from the Lord. And um, and just want to encourage you. Parenting, it, it can be hard. So you Parents who have younger children, hang in there. Keep putting in that work, that energy. Be consistent. You're going to be um, so frustrated some days, like, man, I, I, I've said this a thousand times. In those moments, I want you to just let the Holy Spirit speak to you and say, allow him to say, I've said to you a thousand times. And, uh, and so many times in my, in my parenting, I just God has just spoken to me and said, you know, be patient with them, just as I have been patient with you. And so pa- uh, parents, just be consistent. Let me just encourage you, if you have younger children, hang in there. Those young years are hard. Um, people will see us with our six kids and be like, I don't know how in the world you do that with six kids. And they'll have like two small kids, like, like three and one. And I'll, we'll just say to them, Six kids is much, much easier than a three and a one year old um, because our kids who are older, Xavier and Karis and even isaiah's here like they 're great at helping, but when you 're three and one like they 're not really helping're like that help that the three year old wants to do it might not be very helpful um, <laughs> but you allow, you allow them to help, even though it 's going to take longer, like to fold clothes, like they may be trying to do it or we used to let um, Xavier Caris, like help us unload the dishwasher and put dishes in. It took us way longer, but it allowed them to feel part of the family, and now they, they do that on their own. Like, they help, and my goodness, Karis made a cake last week just from scratch. Um, she's nine, and so um, that's, that's great. Like, but children are incredible. So I, um, we've got to be a church that reflects Jesus' view of children. Um, so many churches just don't you know they't want to be bothered by children um, that 's why I, I say to you guys like i don 't mind children like in here and i, I don 't mind when they 're like like babies are like kind of just talking um, I, I know that one you know at some point you might have to take them out um, but I love them being in here it 's let them be in here I want them to watch us that 's why even like kids start out in here you may have always wondered why don 't we just It'd be so much easier if the kids were out there, that would free up some seats, and the kids would be out there, then we don't have to, like, listen to them, and, like, they wouldn't be, like, nagging at us, like, mom, dad, what's this? That, we want them in here. We want them watching you guys sing. Um, that's, if there's one reason I wish we passed a plate for offering, it's for that reason alone, so that kids could watch moms and dads put their offering in the plate. Mom, what, what is that? What are you doing? And then that's a teaching opportunity. Now, I understand, even if we had plates, because of our demographics, most of us give online, so our kids aren't seeing that anyways. Um, but we've got to let kids watch us. We've got to make much of children. We've got to let them come um, and experience the Lord. And I think that's, that I think for us, like children's ministry has got to be something we just focus on. Uh, and, and so that's why, like, for every ch- um, children's worker, they have to have a background check before they're even allowed. Uh, we want the children to be safe. That that train that that one um, that volunteer has to have training. Um, we want your children to be taken care of. We think that's what Jesus means when He says, "Do not hinder little children." And sadly, like just think in our culture, um, and even the last few weeks, you've seen reports come out from Southern Baptist Convention about. Things going on, just abuse, even within a church. And um, even though the Southern Baptist Convention is different than the Catholic Church, um, where Catholic Church is more top-down, um, Southern Baptist Convention is, is bottom-up, being Baptist. And so as Baptists, we, um, the convention doesn't tell us who to hire, um, but it's the church's responsibility. We, as a church, need to make sure that we are caring for the children, that that, that our children are safe right now, and that parents aren't having to worry about who's in there with my child, um, that we've done everything possible. And, and, and I get, like, we can't, and it's such a scary thing. Um, for those of you who, are, who have been trained and you watch those safety videos, I just, every time I watch those videos, I just weep because I know that there's no way we can 100% protect everything. We just can't. We've done everything we can, that's why like, every room has cameras. That's not only just for the kids' safety, that's for the volunteer safety. That way no kid can blame you for something, um, that there's cameras that, that are there as well for both volunteers and the children. We've got to make much of children, I'm excited. Um, in the spring, we're going to redo the kids' room. We ran out of money last year, and I hate I think the kids' room should be the coolest room in the church, that when you come in the building, like, kids would just want to run and be in there. And uh, and they do run out, but that's because they don't want to hear me. Um, but I want them like wanting to be in that room. And so this year we have a new budget. So hopefully in the spring we're going to do some renovations and um, just we're going to add a third room out there as well. Uh, so I, I just just think we need to make much of children here. And this is again, I think this is one of those passages where we as a church we have to stand up against abortion. That children matter. That we have to push back the darkness in, in that evil um, thinking that we can just kill a baby. Um, and, and, and not only with just the abortion, but in West Virginia, there's about 7,000 kids in foster care. 7,000 kids just in this state. Um, about 1,200 of those have, will, will, will be adopted. Um, but 7,000 foster kids. So like I want you to be praying about, are you able, willing to be a foster parent? Are you able to adopt? Um, I know it's not for everyone, but men, I know it's for some of us that, that we're in a season where we can be praying about fostering um, and, and push back some of these numbers. Um, God cares about children. And here we see Jesus. The people that disciples thought Jesus wouldn't want, Jesus is saying, hey, we, we want them. I, I want them. Let the children come to me. And so we need to make much of children. And we see here this picture that Jesus, come, uh, the children come just without of humility. And Jesus receives those with humility. And this is a picture for all of us, that, that children come to parents just humble. They're just, they just throw their hands up. They need help. And that's what a picture of salvation looks like. And, and so this is the picture of salvation in this passage is that It's not by your good deeds that you're saved. It's out of your humble heart where you throw your hands up to your Heavenly Father and you say, I I can't do this on my own. I need your help. That's a picture of salvation. I'm walking away from how I used to live, and I want to be adopted by you. You're my new father. And so Jesus receives the humble. Secondly, Jesus rejects the proud. Here's the story about the rich young man, this rich young ruler and this is what's crazy, is like, the people that, that the disciples would think Jesus would reject, he receives. And then here, here's this moral, rich man, who the disciples think, oh, Jesus is going to receive him, and yet, to their surprise, he, he rejects the rich young ruler. Let's read this passage. Uh, and so, verse 16, says, and behold... A man came up to him, saying, "Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life?" Let's just stop there and just make some make some comments. He, he identifies Jesus as a teacher, uh, so he's, he's he's respectful of Jesus. Um, he's not trying to trick him like the Pharisees and Sadducees would. But notice here he says, "What what good deed must I do?" What good deed must I do to have eternal life? So this is a, you know, just a good works-based theology. What do I do to be saved? And man, most people think this way. Every other religion in the world but Christianity operates this way. Islam, you have the five pillars of the faith um, that they do to hopefully at the end that their good would outweigh their bad and that Allah would receive them. So it's all about what you do. Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, it's about what you do. Uh, sometimes as Christians, we applaud, like Mormons and Jehovah's Witness, how active they are about sharing their faith. But that's part of how they're um, being pleasing to God, that I will do this and, and, and earn favor from God. We don't share our faith for that reason. We share our faith because we love them. We know that God loves them, and God wants us to to tell them about him. It doesn't add anything to our salvation. Um, And so here, just this guy thinks like most of the world. What do I need to do to be saved? So Jesus plays along with this, verse 17. And he he said to him, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good if you would enter life, keep the commandments. So it seems like Jesus is telling him that if you just keep the commandments, then then you'll be saved. And so this seems like Jesus is preaching a works-based theology. It's not what he's doing at all. You'll see in a minute. He's just getting at this guy's heart, what he loves, what he treasures. And so verse 18, the guy responds back in this dialogue. He says to him, well, which ones? And And I love that. Like, we want to do just the basics. Like Jesus says, keep the commandments. And this guy's like, well, well, which ones? There surely has got to be some that are more important than the others. I just want to do the bare minimum to get in. Um, teachers, you understand this, right? Students, no matter what you put that, that, that scale to, they're going to get to that bottom. And, and, and I learned this when I went to seminary. So like college is mainly like that, you know, 90, 80, 70, 60 when you go to, to grad work, at least in seminary, that, that bumps back up to 95, and I'm going, man, like that's, that's, that's almost impossible. And they go, well, what we've learned is you're going to get to the bottom of whatever we, where we put it. And so we want you to be a, at least a 95 student, and so you'll probably put in that much work. And so that's just kind of how we are in this guy saying, well, which, which ones do I need to keep? And so Jesus says, well, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And uh, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So those first ones are coming from the Ten Commandments. This last one, Jesus just throws in. Um, and then um, the young man, uh, he, he says, um, says to Jesus, I've kept all, I, all of these I have kept. What do I still lack? Um. And at this point, like, we can look at the, this, this guy in two ways. One, he's an incredible, at least a moral man, right? Uh, like, we know that he's rich. And here, like, this guy, he, he um, doesn't murder. Um, he's faithful to his wife and doesn't take anybody else's wife. Uh, he doesn't steal things. He doesn't lie. He honors his parents. And he loves his neighbor as himself. Like, this is a guy that many churches, because of, of how he's living, he's very moral and, 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 and he's rich. There's a lot of churches that would make this guy a deacon. He'd be in leadership. Let me just, just meditate on this for a moment. Could you be lost and do these things? Could you be lost? Do you know lost people who don't murder, who don't commit adultery, who don't steal? who don't lie, they honor their family, and, you know, as much as we can measure this, they love their neighbor as themselves. I mean, I, I know there's, there's people that look like, you know, they, they live a pretty good life. But I think you can be lost and keep these. Now, on the other side of this, I'd go, the moment he says, you know, I have kept all these things, I would say, well, I think right there you just said your first lie, right? If we're honest. He says, I've never lied. And then the moment you say you've never lied, you've probably just committed your first lie. Um, Because we've all lied in some way at some point in our lives. But this man seems like he's got it all together. And so Jesus says to him, because Jesus is playing with him. Jesus knows his heart. He knows what he's thinking. And so Jesus says to him, he says, he says, "Um, I lost my place. Um, Verse 21 if, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come, follow me. So here Jesus switches a little bit. Uh, and, and so what Jesus is doing, Jesus is getting at this man's heart. This man, he just, he, he, he cared about his stuff, his, his, his possessions, his materials, and Jesus is saying, hey, all my other disciples, they've left everything. They've surrendered it all. They've humbled themselves, and they're following me. Do likewise. And, um, and this man, like you, you'll see that he has this great love, and he has this great love um, for his possessions. And um, 1 Timothy 6.10 says this. Look at this verse. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Um, It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. And so, you cannot have two masters. And and Jesus knows that this man is a slave to his treasure, to his possessions. Um, Matthew 16, just a few weeks ago, this is what Jesus said to, to his disciples. Matthew 16. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life would lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And so here, here's this man. Um, he's looking at all of his possessions. And Jesus says to him, he says, hey, you give up everything that you have. And you see this back in verse uh, 21. He says, you give up all that you have, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. So here's this offer from Jesus for treasure in heaven. And this man has many possessions. He's rich, and he's looking at both. And he just can't see how this over here, what Jesus is offering is better than what he has right now in his hands. And so many of us, we, like, we live here. We live right here. And this man has a hard time trusting. And that's where he's getting at the heart. It's not about what he needs to do. It's what he needs to believe and trust in Jesus. And he just cannot trust that what Jesus has is actually better than what he can touch and already see. And so many of us are focused on what we touch and see and we live here. This is our kingdom and we want to get as much as we can and Jesus has something way better for us out here. We can't touch it yet. In some ways we can because we know what promise he's given us and this man does not trust the words of Jesus. It's like as a kid, um, I used to love to watch Price is Right and there's a couple shows on there um, uh, that where like you have an opportunity like you might, um, there might be like a car out here as a grand prize. But along the way of the game, you might earn maybe um, $1,000. And let's say um, uh, Bob Barker would say, hey, okay, you can take the $1,000 now, or you can keep playing to win this car. And so you have this moment, you're like, all right, there's a risk. All right, I'm going to risk this $1,000. And, and chase after this, or I'm just going and to cling to this because it's safe. I have it right now. And that's what this guy's doing. He's, these are his possessions. He's worked hard. And yet Jesus has so much more to offer him, but he just cannot let go. He can't trust and humble himself. And so in verse 22, we see that young man, he heard this. He went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. And so Jesus teaches us, and um, he, he comes back in verse 23 here. Verse 23, and Jesus said to the disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me say let me say that again. Only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. That should frighten us as Americans. Because some of you don't you don't feel like you're rich. But just talk to Matt and Dustin who just came back from Ethiopia. Uh, If you make um, more than $30,000 a year, you're in the top 96% of the richest people in the world. Okay, you're richer than 96% of the rest of the world if you make more than $33,000. That's crazy, right? I don't feel like I'm in the top 4%. It's because we're just surrounded by so much wealth we we we're making we're making huge differences in the in that four um, percent, but compared to the world, we are filthy rich. Um, even our poor in America are living much better than a lot of the world. Um, just the fact that our poor can have government assistance, um, you know, you go to India, there's not that. Um, they live by just faith. Just They're out begging every day. Um, and so here, Jesus says, it's, it's difficult for a rich person in the kingdom of heaven. So we're, we, we need to understand, we have a disadvantage already being rich. That, that we're not going to trust this hand of Jesus because we, we, we think we can do it on our own. So we're already at a, we're already at a disadvantage. Then he goes on to say this. He says, Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. So, I mean, you can see that, just the illustration he's using here. Um, think of an eye of a needle. I mean, I can't even, that's even smaller than the mustard seed example that I used a few weeks ago. So, to think of a camel, large creature going through the eye of a needle, Impossible. So verse 25, when the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished, saying, who, who then can be saved? You, you hear the panic in that. Well, if, if it's difficult for a rich man, and if, if it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God, we know that's impossible. It's not just difficult, it's impossible. And so they're, they're beginning to panic. Well, you know, who then can be saved? Um, and the answer is no, no one, in and of themselves. Like, you cannot save yourself. And some of you, that that frustrates you. It, it frustrates you that you cannot add to your salvation. Because you you want that. Like, you want to achieve something. You're so driven, and you've, you've done great things. You've worked hard in school. You've gotten that big job. You might be making six figures. And so you feel like, I can do it. A little... A little more hard work and effort, I can do it. And Jesus is going, not this you can't. It is impossible. But I love this. I love verses like 26. Reminds me of Ephesians 2. Verse 26 says, but Jesus. I love that. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible. But with God all things are possible. Now, let's keep this in its context. This is not talking about, you know, um, you ripping this out of context. If you're in college right now and you're halfway through organic class right now and you're struggling and you think, I can get an A because all things are possible with God. That's not what this verse is talking about. You might be getting a C, okay? And don't blame God. But he's talking about with salvation, all things are possible. That what seems like, you know, this a camel going through the eye of a needle, uh, which is impossible. I mean, th- this is what this passage is trying to show us. And most of us don't live this way. This is what Scripture is what scripture's teaching us. This is all throughout the Bible. Just as it would be impossible for, or, or the likelihood of a camel going through the eye of a needle the same likelihood as any one of us standing before God and God looking at our lives and being able to enter into heaven. That, that's, what, that's what he's trying to teach us here. That, that you have just as much chance getting into heaven on your own merit as a camel would going through the eye of a needle. Like zero chance. You should feel overwhelmed Hopeless, helpless, worthless, woe is me. But then Jesus offers us so much hope here. That with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Why? Because God receives the humble. He he, he loves to go against the odds. And so, you know, impossible, and God says it's not impossible with me. Verse 27, then Peter said in reply, he said, um, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And so peters I think he's just asking a good question. We, we've done what you've asked. We just want to make sure um, that, that, that we haven't forgotten to do anything. Um, will, will we be in heaven? And I think we're all, we've all asked that question. How do we know? Are we secure? Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you have followed me um, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my sake will receive a um, hundredfold and will in- inherit eternal life. Uh, Jordan, if you go back to that that number one at this point. Jesus receives the humble. It's where we've been. And then in 27, 28, you see that, that they will be rewarded. Um, if you look back in verse 29, in 29 you see that everyone who has left, so basically surrendered everything and said, Jesus, I'm just going to trust you. They're going to be rewarded. It says a hundredfold and will enter eternal life. I, I, you know, this whole idea of when the Son of Man comes, sits on his throne. Um, you have followed me. You'll sit on twelve thrones, judging twelve tribes of Israel, and then you're going to receive a hundredfold, inherit eternal life. A lot of this, like we're not going to fully know what this means. Um, is he talking about the twelve disciples? Are they somehow judging? Um, ruling in heaven. There's a number of other verses in the New Testament that talk about you as believers, as followers of Christ, you will be ruling in heaven in some way. I don't know what that means. I'm not there yet. And scripture isn't explicitly clear. Um, So I don't think it's exclusively just talking about these disciples, because we know that at least one of these disciples here in a few weeks um, does not keep following Jesus, right? We know that Judas here is he's one of these 12, but I'm pretty sure he's not one of these 12 that He's talking about in this passage. So I don't know what's fully going on. I know that we'll have responsibilities in heaven. Um, and then then I just want you to see that you're going to receive a hundredfold. Um, that all of, all of us who have, you might feel like you've left things. And some of you, you've left families. Like your family does not like what you are doing right now. Um, that they don't like God. And, and in some way that... That relationship with you and your family is different now because you're following Jesus. So you've kind of left family. Some of you, you've left maybe careers. Maybe you're headed down this path where of worldly gain, and you said, Man, I just, I know that's not going to be satisfying and pleasing to the Lord, and you've surrendered a lot of that, and you've made some sacrifices financially. Um, could be um, moms who have, you, you could be working. Um, making big money and you stayed home, you just want to focus on kids. Um, like, like all, all of you, you, you've all made some kind of sacrifices um, somewhere along the way. Jesus is saying, you're going to get repaid more than you'll ever even imagine. Um, like I think about you guys, like to be such a young church, this is a very giving church. We've never really been, like so many churches I know, I have pastor friends who they are just stressed out all the time with the budget. Like that last, that last half of the year, man, they are stressed because like, money's not coming in and they just can't pay bills and they keep taking money from the savings and paying the bills and they know that savings is getting low. Listen, as a new church, we don't have this thing called savings to tap into, okay? Um, we're just living from what you guys are putting in. And I just, I've never been worried um, because you guys have been such good givers. I know there are people who tithe and even give above their tithe. And for you guys, I just want you to think about this. I just want to encourage you this morning. Like some of you, you probably look around and like maybe like you look at your neighbors or people you work with and um, they're driving like, you know, two nice cars or just maybe one nice car in your case that you like to have at least one nice car um, maybe they're going on vacation every year. Um, you know the difference between those two, like you and them. You're giving that, in my case, a truck payment <laughs> uh, or a car payment or that vacation money, and you're putting it in that box. You know, a lot of you, 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 you give. You know, I'm just going off of our economy, somewhere between three, um, three hundred to seven hundred dollars a month. That you're giving, that's a car payment. That's that's vacation money, and you're going, man. I I see that. I would love to have, and I would love to have that new truck. I would love to have that new truck. Just it'd make me a better baseball coach if I had a new truck. Um, it'd just be great to store all my baseball equipment right there in the back, and, you know, but um, or vacation, uh, like. Like some of you, you give up vacation. Um, you may go every other year or you stay in state. You know, um, you don't get to go do some of the things that you see other people doing. And the difference between is that, is that other person may just spend it all on now. All that money is going towards now. And you're being so faithful to give that to the mission of the church. And, and God's saying, hey, I, I see what you're doing. I see what you're doing. Thank you for taking that risk, but just know that when it's all said and done, I'm going to to honor you. Uh, There's a picture in James that that, uh, James talks about those who humble themselves, God will raise up, James 4. But those who like to raise themselves up, guess what God does? He humbles them. So we need to be humble people. Jesus receives the humble and he rewards them. We're going to be around the throne. I'm, man, I loved your prayer. Just thinking about being around the throne of God forever and ever and ever. And I wonder, in that moment, are we going to go? Man, I really wish we'd have uh, had that truck. You know, I really would. You know, are you going to be thinking when you're when you're in when you see the face of Jesus and you're around the throne? You see just multitudes of of people from different. Nations, and we're all just worshiping and just in, in, in glory. Like in that moment, are you going to be worried about like vacation? Like, man, I wish that kids we could have taken the kids on vacation again. It's not going to matter. And, and 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 God wants us to focus on that. What is to come? Stop living here. Humble yourself. Live for what He has for us. And you, will, you will inherit eternal life. Not might, but you will. Those who have surrendered, and that means like you've given up your way, and, and you're trusting in his way. You've repented of sin. You're following him. You've made him the king of your life. You will receive eternal life. Um, but, second point. Jesus rejects the proud, and they will be punished. Verse 30. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Now, my kids, they love this passage, because they'll always, like, um, they'll, they'll, you know, for getting treats or whatever, they'll, they'll try to trick us, and they'll say, well, uh, we, you know, we'll be, we'll be, you know, the last will be first, so we'll be last, so we should get the brownie first. Like, no, don't you try to pull scripture tricks on us, like, Um. So, you know, the last should be first, Dad, so let me, if I'm last, I should be first. No, don't, don't try that on me. Um, what Jesus is showing here is that those who have made much of this world, if this is the first, like if this is like everything you're seeking after, when, when, when judgment day comes, you're going to be last. But those who have made this world kind of secondary, like I'm not living for this world, I'm living for the next world, you're going, to, you're going to inherit eternal life, but those who have made much of this life, like this is everything for me, then, then you're going to receive um, punishment um, in hell forever and ever. Jesus speaks a lot about this. Um, here's some, one we've already seen, Matthew 13. He says, um, And throw them, them being those who focus on this world, who deny Jesus his kingdom, throw them into the fiery furnace, and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In a few weeks we'll see Matthew 22, Then the king said to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him um, into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now again, I don't know what this fully means. I just know when scripture talks about hell, it is a terrible place that should frighten us, that anybody that we love, even the people we don't like, we should be telling them about Jesus and how to escape this. Nobody um, we don't want anybody to go there. Um, and, and, and so here's this picture here that's going to be awful, um, terrible. It's eternal. Just as eternal life in heaven is forever, um, eternal life in hell is forever. And we need to be begging people to get out, um, to, to repent. And, and so I, I want to um, just end with a... Um, um, a charge to you, if this is you, if you've never bowed down to Jesus, if you've never thrown up your hands in humility as a child would and say, Father, I need you. I pray that today's that day. Uh, um, I'm going to invite the band to come back up, and I'm going to do something. I'm going to just be in this back corner, and if you've never surrendered to Jesus, then um, I just want you to come back and and just talk to me. I'd love to tell you how to become a follower of Jesus, um, how you can know today that you can be saved, Um, I don't want any one of you leaving this place, like, unsure. Uh, I want you being a part. I want you receiving Christ as treasure. And and for those of you, like, just right now, that you've come in and you know that you're a follower of Jesus, this is a moment of reflection and evaluation of your heart. I want you to be thinking about treasure. Um, You have stuff that you're working on right now Um, maybe you're seeking after i just want you to think about this world and and your treasures here that you possess and and jesus is jesus better are you willing to give it all up and just surrender it all and chase after jesus um you know jesus doesn't call um, everyone to leave your possessions like he does with this rich man this rich man he says leave leave everything come follow me he doesn't say that to everyone why not well it's because that's what this man needed to hear that's, that's what, that was his Lord. That was his, his everything. And so for some of you, that might be your Lord. It might be materials and money and everything. For others, it's, gonna, it's not that. Like, you struggle more with, like, approval of others. And, and so that's what you need to leave behind. But I want you just, whatever, like, you think about a lot, that, that's kind of what you worship. Um, and, and so, is it approval of others? Is it, is it materials? Um, is it security? You know, what, what is that thing that you Treasure. Jesus is so much greater. So, um, this first song, I just want you to kind of sit. Think of like, even like when we take the, of the Lord's Supper, how we just spend some time just reflecting. Just want you to spend the first part of this song just reflecting um, on your heart. Like, just stay seated and just meditate on, um, you know, where am I right now? Where, what is my treasure? Um, am I humbling myself, surrendering everything? Uh, to Jesus, And then if any of you want to talk, and I would love to tell you about how to become a follower of Christ, just come find me in the back.